0: This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm.
1: Welcome to the Kickin' Life Podcast. Your host, your surely Kicking Life Guru Master Rich Grogan. Hey, as Rocky says, nothing hits harder in life. It's not about how hard you can hit but how hard you get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. And that's how winning is done. And I want you to be a winner. I want you to be your very, very best. I want to inspire and motivate you to believe in yourself. So when, not if, but when life knocks you down, you get right back up with that confidence that I can take on more, I can do more, and I can live my best kicking life. All right, so buckle up, saddle up, here we go. Kicking lifers out there, how are you? Happy day to you, whatever day it is. Your Kicking Life Guru Master Rich Grogan with you for another exciting episode of the Kicking Life podcast. And boy, do we have a special guest on the show today. So I'm going to tell you a couple things about him, and then I'll go into my little dialogue like I do every week. And I left you last week with a little tease about 24 hours. In a day, 1,440 minutes and then 86,400 seconds. That was a little tease-in from the last podcast. If you missed that one, make sure you check that one out. Anyway, this gentleman is uh, on the show today. He turned pro at 17. He played on the Pepsi Tour, went to Arizona State University. He's a two-time certified PGA pro and um, all kinds of other outstanding uh, accomplishments and Grip yourself for this, especially the golfers out there. His lowest round was a 64, which, you know, on a, well, I shouldn't say a good day. I'm okay when I play fairly regularly, but uh, I've shot 64 many times on the front nine only. So that's, that's not good. I usually try and keep it within the 40s, as we all do, right? Anyway, enough about my poor golf game, because I don't practice near enough. Uh, this gentleman's a golf pro, but we'll have him on in just a minute here. But first things first, let's focus on what I teased you with and left you with last week was... You know what? Everyone's gifted with 24 hours a day, 1,440 minutes, 86,400 seconds. Now, why is that important? Why am I bringing that up? Simply because I want you to think it this way, a little twist on things, but think, if you started the day and someone handed you $86,400, wow, yeah, that'd be a great way to start the day, wouldn't it? Absolutely. Well, someone's get, you're getting every day something more valuable than money. You're getting time because time is irreplaceable. You can always make money. I know, that's the thing, and that we never have enough money in the world, right? But we can always make more, but we can never. doesn't matter how little or how much money we have, you can never make more time. Even the richest people in the world cannot buy more time. But what they do with that time, what they do with those 86,400 seconds is what separates them from everybody else. The successful and unsuccessful people, I mean, the, the real thing that separates them, and I get a lot of this from the, uh, one of the latest books I've just read, The Slide Edge from Jeff Olson, is – how they utilize their time, those simple daily disciplines, taking those little simple steps. And I say simple because they're simple. But here's the thing with simple. Just because they're simple to do doesn't mean they're easy to do. No, because they're so simple to do, they're simple not to do. Just like, you know what? You know, I, I'm going to do this today. I'm going to That exercise bike has been sitting over there. I walk by it every single day. Why don't I get on it? Because it's easy just to walk on by. But you know what? It's just as easy to get on the doggone thing. But of course, what happens? Oh, I don't have enough time for that. I don't have enough time for that. I bring that up because I want you to think about this. If you had to pay for every second, so you're $86,400 now, you're paying out every second. What kind of return on investment are you getting? What kind of return are you getting on that money that you're paying out? And at the end of the day, would you be happy with that return on investment? You just spent $86,400. What did you get out of that? What did you do to better yourself for tomorrow, to have a better tomorrow, to have a better future? If the answer's nothing, man, let that bang, right hook of reality set in a little bit. Now, I was mentioning this to somebody not too long ago, and they said, you know what I'd do? I would save it. Well, <laughs> I guess that sounds good, but what? I don't, I don't know. If, if you know how to do this, please call me, text me, email me, let me know how you save time, because I sure as heck don't know how to do it, and I'm sure a lot of other people in the world will be interested in how to do it. So yeah, that may sound good. I'd save the $86,000. Well, obviously, the $86,000 is a hypothetical uh, scenario here, but the truth be told, That's what you're given every single day. So how does one person in a 24-hour period make $1,000 a day, another person make $10,000 a day, and another person make $100,000 a day where somebody else barely makes $100 a day? How is that possible? Everybody has the same amount of time. Well, it's all about small daily disciplines. It's all about taking those actionable steps, and it's all about getting a good return on your investment. Now, here's something to think about. Too many times, and I, I talk a lot, you guys know that, too many times people uh, spend their most of their money, their time, their sacred commodity of uh, the time they're never going to get back on complaining. Now, you think about that complaint, that 15 minutes, or that 20 minutes, I just spent complaining, whining, moaning, groaning, which nobody wants to really hear anyway. I just paid for that. I just paid for that. Was that a good return? Something to think about, isn't it? We were born with a purpose. Everybody was born with a God-given purpose, a person to be something like nobody else. As you hear me talk about all the time, there's 400 billion people on the world. The odds of you even being born are one in 400 trillion. Wow. So you're born with a special purpose. The problem is most people go through life working, paying bills, whining, complaining, and dying. Boom. What kind of purpose was that? You're better than that. Believe in yourself. Is it easy nothing in life is easy it's simple it's so simple daily disciplines to say I'm gonna do it and then commit to yourself to actually do it one little step at a time one little step at a time moving into our special guest which we'll get to in just a little bit we're gonna talk about and, you, and I've talked about this I've talked about this several times on different podcasts and definitely different little video blogs about your why and what is your why your why is your purpose your vision your mission what you were born to do. That's your why. If you have a strong enough why, then the how will present itself. Now, what do I mean by that? Simple. If you believe enough in accomplishing something, you have a dream, a vision, a goal, something you truly want to achieve. You may not know how the heck you're going to do it, but you're passionate enough. And that passion has got to push you to take that first step, that first actionable step. You take that first step, Boy, you look up and that staircase is, oh my gosh, it's intimidating as heck. It's way up there. You know what? You took the first step. Now take the action and take the next step, and then the next step, and then the next step. And that why, that purpose, that vision, that mission is going to push you to continue up one step at a time with that action. Now, that doesn't mean it's a clear shot. The chances are you take one step, you may fall back down two steps. That's just all part of it. But the Kickin' Life show, what do we talk about? Getting back up when you've been knocked down. The world, Bang! Hits you, knocks you down, it's testing you. You're going to lay there and cry? Are you going to get back up and have a strong enough mission, vision, purpose, goal, why to continue on? And if you do that, I promise the how will start to present itself. But you have to be the one to take the actionable step. And action leads to motivation. I hear it all the time. People say, well, I'm really not motivated. Well, you know what? This morning, I didn't want to get out of bed either. I just, I didn't. I stayed up a little later than normal watching a, uh, a comedy with my uh, 17-year-old Austin which was great. I was really glad we spent the time together because 17 now, you know, he doesn't spend a whole lot of time with dad anymore, which, truth be told, breaks my heart. But you know what? That's him growing up, and I'm proud of him. He's an outstanding young man, just like my daughter Madeline. She's wonderful, Miss Actress there. And then my little buddy Emmett, 8 years old. We get up in the morning and sometimes wrestle around and watch uh, whatever cartoon he wants. But anyway, back to the thing is I did not want to get up today, but I did. I kicked myself in the butt, got up did my run, did my push up sit up, stretching, and had a good workout. Now, I feel freaking great about it, but I didn't want to do it. But that's the biggest difference between successful people and unsuccessful people. It's not that successful people want to do things that they don't want to do any more than unsuccessful people do. However, they make the choice to do it. That's it. Making the choice to do it. That little bitty step. But action is going to create more uh, motivation to take more action. Unfortunately, chances are, there's gonna be days there are probably very few days that you're actually motivated to do something you don't want to do take that first actionable step take that first step attack that staircase and that's gonna create more motivation which is gonna create more action and it's kind of an endless cycle a lot of times I think we got it backwards there I need the motivation first well chances are that's not gonna happen get out of bed and as I talked about before first thing I do and get out of bed is make that darn bed why it's one success under my belt yes even if I do nothing the rest of the day, at least I accomplished one thing. I know that sounds crazy. However, how many of us and how many days have we wasted? How many 86,400 seconds or dollars have we wasted in a day by accomplishing nothing? One little step is better than no steps at all. Okay. So, you know, we talk about that all the time, but I thought I'd really drop the hammer, bang, that right hook on letting you think about that. Everybody's got the same amount of time. What are you doing with your time? What kind of return are you getting on your investment? Moving on so, we've got our special guest here, and he's chomping at the bit to get started. Just a quick reminder, he's, uh, he was turned pro, a golf pro that is, at 17 years old, played on the Pepsi Tour, went to Arizona State University, he's a two-time certified PGA pro, and uh, his lowest round was a 64. Now, uh, we're going to ask him where that was, because I, I know it wasn't at a little... Uh, Uh, you know, community course that he probably used two clubs the whole time. I'm sure it was a a nice, powerful course that he shot a 64 on, or he wouldn't even tell me. But anyway, without further ado, uh, this young man is actually my brother-in-law, and I've known him ever since he was a little kid, and I've watched his passion, his desire, his purpose to be a golf pro. It's What he wanted to do, even when he was, well, I don't know, say too little to play the game, but he'd be out there with uh, sometimes with me, but all the time with his dad. And he'd be driving the golf cart at seven and eight years old and then going out in the woods looking for golf balls and getting them. And uh, he just had a desire and a passion for it. And by the time he was 10, he was beating everybody around here. So most of uh, uh, his father's friends didn't want to play him anymore because they made him look bad. But that was his desire. That was his passion. And I tell you that because, you know, it, it starts off, everybody's born with something. We don't always know what that is. But when we discover that, We've got to make sure we take that, what i just say, that actionable step to make it happen. All right, so on the show with us today, fresh back from Miami, Florida, soaking up the rays out there and enjoying life, is my brother-in-law, golf PGA pro, Noah Vineyard. Noah, how are we doing, buddy?
0: Yeah, doing well. Doing well. Glad to be here. Awesome. Glad to be here. Yep. It's a little hot, a little humid, but I, I can take it.
1: So the the Midwest is different. In Miami is that what you're telling me?
0: Yeah, there's just no breeze. No breeze. And uh, there's I'm, no ocean either, yeah, is there? <laughs> really far from an ocean. So yeah, just a little humid, but I can take it. Born and raised here, so it just gets back to the roots.
1: There so, we go. Born yeah. and raised. And we've got all kinds of exciting things going on in your life. Uh, your your wife's a uh, surgeon who's just finishing up, and you guys are yep. moving to Augusta, Georgia. And Augusta, Georgia, if I'm not mistaken, that's the home of the Masters, right?
0: Correct. It is the greatest golf tournament in the world.
1: Okay. Yes, it is. It uh, It gets a little bit of air on uh, uh, the networks, doesn't it? Oh, no question <laughs> about it.
0: Every PGA Tour player wants to play Augusta National every single year. It's one the the courses they look forward to.
1: Nice. Excellent, excellent. And, well, in the, the golf club that you're moving to now, Jones Creek, did I say that right? Yeah, Jones Creek Golf Club. It's in Evans, Georgia, which is about –
0: Five miles north of Augusta National, where the where the Masters is played. Like. Five miles, yeah. Bang.
1: Now, didn't you tell me that you you rented out your house a couple times during the uh, Masters? Yeah. And, just uh, tell we our actually, listeners uh, the prices people are paying to, to rent your house out.
0: Yeah, it's um it's pretty ridiculous down there. Uh, we actually bought a house a couple years ago in Augusta because my wife, being the surgeon, we knew that she was going to go back there, so we went ahead and purchased a home, and it. For one week of the master's, it pays for about four months of our mortgage. <laughs> so if you kind of think about that, just seven days, you know, and that's tax-free money
1: somebody, that people will pay. <laughs> somebody live in your house for seven days, but it takes up four months. That's how popular the master's are. Yes. So, well, good stuff. And, uh, Noah, so turning pro at 17 – and our, our listeners are used to me talking about, um, you know, life is simple, but it's not easy. You know, it's simple for me to say, hey, get back up when you've been knocked down, but it's not easy. So turning pro at 17, that was a piece of cake, right? You went through no adversity, no challenges. <laughs> I mean, 17-year-old golf pro, are you freaking kidding me? Yeah. yeah. I I knew, at a like you said
0: earlier, uh, at a very young age that I wanted to be a golf professional. I was born into a family where my father owned a small business construction company it's very hard labor and he would take me every sunday to (laughs) go play golf and i knew that i'd rather play golf than carry buckets of concrete at a very young age
1: well and if i remember i I worked for the uh the stay dry (laughs) crew as well for a couple years and uh that construction work, woohoo! And uh, yeah, I remember <laughs> right. sometimes Noah at a young age would, would come on the job there and carry one or two buckets and he'd be done for the day. So he even said at early age, Boy, this is not for me. I don't want to do this nonsense. And uh, yeah. all the construction workers out there, and we tip our hat to you, man, oh man, that's some brutal, brutal hard work. But uh, Noah, exactly. you could have, you know, and your, your older brother, he stayed with that and that's yep. something he enjoyed, but uh, you knew you had a little bit more in you and you wanted something more. And that, of course, there's a difference between wanting and receiving. Doesn't make it any easier. Yeah, he's not chucking buckets around, but in his profession, in order to get ahead, in order to succeed, in order to be successful, you have to work your butt off. Nothing in life is easy. It's simple to make that choice. And you hear me say this every single podcast, but nothing is easy. You have to be committed. So, Noah, during that process and turning pro at 17, and on on the surface, that sounds, oh, my gosh, that's all great. Wow, 17 years old. But that just does not happen. That's hours and hours and hours of behind the scenes of practicing over and over and over again. And I'll say, then poof, it magically happened. But when you came pro at 17, did your life really change? or, or would it, Obviously, it opened up new doors. But right. with, with right. Um, the pressure of only being 17 and now you've got people paying you you know, hundreds, sometimes thousands of dollars for lessons who are old enough to be your grandpa, much less your dad. Right. so at first I'm sure it was a little intimidating,
0: yeah it was um and and the work that I had to put in to be a pro was uh, it's five hundred golf balls a day I worked at a golf club I lived and breathed you know golf uh when I was in junior high and in high school and i I also played other sports too and so but I knew I had that drive and that passion um but I did have that what you were saying earlier that that kind of daily discipline and that self-belief that I, I knew deep down that I wanted to be a pro and I knew I needed to play year round. So that's why I moved when I was 17 and turned pro
1: and went to Arizona state. Well, one of my, uh, you know, success mentors Jim Rome and my new success coach, Chris Weider, Chris, uh, thanks again for listening out there. Oh, they always talk about you grow into the person you're going to be, but it all starts with that mindset. I have decided that I'm going to be a pro. And once again, it's as simple as just saying, you know what? I'm going to start thinking like a pro. Now, you believe enough in that. As I talked about earlier, that's your why, that's your vision, that's your goal, that's your purpose. You may not know how in the heck you're going to do it, especially a teenager. You know what? I'm going to be a pro. Now, and here's the thing with that. And Noah, we've, we've talked all about, well, life in general. When you first decide you want to do that, how hard is it to keep that inside without telling somebody? Because of fear that someone's going to laugh at you. Someone's going to say, yeah, right, whatever. I mean, it's tough to kind of keep that tanked up in there. You may say it, but the first time somebody laughs at you, you're almost like, man, I wish I wouldn't have said that. But you keep going. So I like. uh,
0: Right. I'm, me personally, I'm not afraid to fail. And so I liked telling myself that, hey, I'm a PGA golf professional. Good for you. Right out of high school. And so. I wanted them, I almost wanted to fail because I knew that would make me drive even harder to be even a better player. And then it's really, I surrounded myself with other golf pros and players that could beat me. And so that's how I got, how I really turned pro at 17 and uh, became a PGA certified instructor is surrounding myself with other pros that were better than me at an early age, really.
1: And listeners, you hear me talk about that all the time. You are a product of the four to five people you're surrounding yourself with the most. You surround yourself with people that lower your standards or have standards lower than yours. You're going to be drawn down to them. You surround yourself with people that raise your standards, and you hear me talk about this all the time, and you've heard other martial arts professionals on the podcast and other entrepreneurs talk about it. Now you're hearing it in another realm, the golf community. It's the same mentality, whether you're an entrepreneur or an entrepreneur a martial artist, a basketball player, a hockey player, a football player, a baseball player, professional golfer, you have to surround yourself with the elite. You have to push yourself. And, of course, when you do that, you're subjecting yourself to failure. You're going to fail. But as we know, failure is not the opposite of success. Failure is a stepping stone towards success. But you have to be willing to get back up after you experience that failure. And, uh, you know, Noah, and, and most of the time, you get knocked down, and fortunately, a lot of people just lay there. They don't want to get back right, up because it's right. easier just to lay there and wallow in self-pity. Yep. At 17 years old, you're battling through. You're surrounding yourself with people you know are better than you. And I just heard a story the other day, which I absolutely loved. It was talking about if you want to become a better runner, and this has to do with, like you just mentioned, with golf or any, any achievement you want in life, you have to go up against people that are better than you. You're going to, you're going to lose at a lot of the time. But here's the thing, if you're losing but yet getting better, that's much, much better than playing people that are lower level than you and winning every time. Yes, I won again, I shot a 64 and this person shot a 92. Well, you're not pushing yourself. So if you're on the pace to shoot a 60 and your partner is on pace to shoot a 59, you're gonna come a lot closer to hitting that score than you are you know, 65, 66, right. 67. Right. Because the competition is there to drive you to be better. And I think oftentimes in life, and you're a golf pro, so you see it all the time, when people are hit with adversity, when they can't get the swing down, how many times they just want to give up?
0: Oh, all the time. And I have a, a few students in Miami and then also Augusta that are high school students and junior high students, and, and I can see the pure talent that they have. But, and the parents always ask me, should I hold my – you know, say my 12 year old back or 14 year old back and have him play in his age group because in he's beating everyone in his age group. Or should I kind of push him and maybe bump him up a little bit and make him almost fail to make him push harder and work harder? And I always try to make him go up that age group a little bit. Once they taste that success, I need him to kind of step back to reality and go, okay, I'm not the big big show you need to know that there's a lot of people out there that are better than you
1: well i think that's sort of like shooting uh shooting par at a community course and then going out to a pga course and right. finding out you know the uh, the golf guides if you will are very humbling you get out there and you're like okay i got this thing down and now you go out playing a course and you <laughs> you shoot 10 over on, on the right. front nine you're like right. what the heck But that's the thing. The only way you're ever going to get better at anything is to continue to push yourself, to continue to challenge yourself, to continue to raise raise your expectations, your standards in order to become better. Because if not, and it's something I talk to the instructors about all the time at the academy, every day we're getting older. Every day we're changing. Every day is one less day we have on this planet. That's 86,400 seconds that are never going to be here again. But here's the thing. If you don't continue to evolve with the times, you're going to dissolve and go away. And that happens in any form of life. But um, just kind of listening to you talk there, Noah, that to take that initiative at such an early age to realize, you know what? Yeah, it's cool beating all my dad's friends who, <laughs> you know, are, are are just not the best golfers shooting. I guess nineties, hundreds, yeah, whatever they were shooting. Exactly. But Where they'd stop it, they stopped playing. They would, would stop playing. playing. But yeah, it felt good at first to beat them. But you know, where's the joy? Where's the challenge to be your best? Now, unfortunately. Too many times, people in life, we get stuck there. You enjoy this little bit of success, and yes, we rest on it. No. You know, hopefully you're going to live for another 40, 50, 60 years. You want to continue pushing yourself to be your best. And I always talk about sometime in life you're going to pay the price. You either pay the price early by investing the time, the energy, the effort, the workload to reap the benefits later, or you take it easy now, and then you take it easy now, sooner or later, you're going to have to pay the price for that. So it's whenever you want to put in the work. So I always think you put in the work early, you're going to reap the rewards later. If you don't put in the work later, you're going to pay a huge, huge price later. And that has everything to do with anything in life. doesn't matter if it's being a golf pro. doesn't matter if it's your nutrition, your health, your education, your job. And uh, it's your life. You do what you want to do. But if you want a good return on that investment, you got to invest the time and energy now. Yep. So, no, I talked about the why. And you had your vision, your purpose. Now, yeah. when you first said you were going to do this, did you really have any idea how the heck you were going to do it?
0: <laughs> no, not really. I, um, My mom and dad, we, we loaded up the car, and we started driving to Arizona.
1: Loaded up the car. Moved to Beverly's, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: loaded up the car and uh, went to Tempe, Arizona, and I didn't know a soul out there. So what I did is I went to the golf club and I just started practicing every single day. And then from there, I met other people that wanted to be pro and had the same drive that I did. And we just became friends and what we were saying about surrounding yourself around the right people. Sure. And people that were better than me. I went out there and played on the Pepsi tour. And I was playing with grown men that were 25, 26 years old. Getting my butt handed to me every single day, and I thought I was good shooting 69, 70, even par. I wasn't making any money, and so <laughs> I needed to. Do, I needed to do something. practice harder, um, and then I just kept growing and growing, making goals for myself: short-term goals, long-term goals. Um, but that's
1: that's how it is. Well, yep, yeah. And actually, I was wanting to go back a little bit further than that. When you first announced that you wanted to go to Arizona State, right? Um, that was your why, your vision. You want to go to the best place in the world to get the best education and obviously play on some of the best courses, surround yourself with the best uh, amateurs and pros to become your best. But the how, that's the how I was talking about. How in the world were your parents going to pay for this? How in the world were you going to make it happen? That was like, there is no way this is going to work. And my whole point on that is, it gets back to the message I talk about all the time. If your why, why you're going to do this, why you want to do this, why you were born to do this is strong enough and you believe enough in it and you believe enough to take that first actionable step. Look at that staircase, you're intimidated as heck. I don't know how the heck I'm going to get up it, but I'm going to take that first step anyway. You believe enough in that and that's kind of like the law of attraction. Somehow, some way, it always works out if you're willing to do what you need to do. And then, of course, most importantly, not give up when adversity strikes, not give up when it thinks, you know what, this isn't going to happen. Now, the story I tell all the time, Noah, is about our building, our martial arts academy, how we own that now. You know, a half a million dollar building in Edwardsville. How is that even freaking possible? Well, truthfully, I don't know. (laughs) But the why, the vision, the purpose, the goal, what I want to do with that is we're making, not helping to do so, not hoping, not wanting, but we are making our society a happier, healthier, and safer place to live by inspiring kids and adults to believe in themselves and respect others, to stand up for themselves, to stand up to bullying, to live their best possible life. That is the mission, that is the vision. And with, you know, you get a good team around you, you get a good tribe, get it all together, correct. The how starts to present itself. And yeah. once again, it doesn't matter if it's an entrepreneur in business, and I talk about the podcast. Everyone wanted to do a podcast as soon as I found out what a podcast was, like, yeah, I want to do that, which is only about two years ago. <laughs> but my why was why I want to do it because I want to project my voice out for others to hear it. How yep. is it going to happen? I have no idea. But you take that first actionable step, the how will present itself. And that's exactly what happened with, with you and, I mean, every it, other successful person.
0: Yeah, it really has. I. Like I said, I didn't really have a clear vision going out to Arizona. I knew I wanted to be a golf pro, but I didn't know exactly where in the golf business I would fall into. I still have the drive to play professionally. Um, I've found my niche in coaching other students right now, uh, but I'd still practice and try to be my best. Um, but getting, like you're saying that, how, how did I become a PGA certified instructor? I... I just just so, dove right in the pool. Got my own student loans, paid for it. I didn't. So, I didn't for really our listeners care. at home
1: there that uh, <laughs> uh, think you know turn a pro at seventeen, it was easy here. Um, it's because you, your dad was a PGA pro, right?
0: No, I was born like I said into a <laughs> uh, a construction company business where I, I my dad was going to hand me the construction company. Yep. I mean, I pretty much had it kind of made in the construction world. And they're middle-class people, and my dad and Ma, they were just kind of oh, like.
1: Extremely hard workers. Yes. But you, you had an opportunity to take something that was easy, but you realized that wasn't your God-given purpose. It wasn't your vision. So it's almost like, I don't know if you've read the book, The Alchemist. It's, I just finished reading that a month or two ago. It's It's an older book. But I'll tell you what, it's at by far in my top five of all books. And it just talks about overcoming adversity and challenges and given every opportunity along the way to settle for something less than what you were born to do. And it's a great book. It's called The Alchemist. Look it up. Listen to the audiobook if you if you want. The, uh, you know Some audiobooks, the uh, narrator will speak all in the same tone and some kind of uh, different tones for different characters within the book. It's a good one to listen to. And it's a sure. great book to read. Uh, I did both. I listened to it and then read it and then listened to it again just to catch all the minor things. But it's all about that in life. If you settle, it doesn't mean you're going to have a bad life, but you're always going to realize there's something more I could have done. You're always squashing that gift, that dream, that vision. And as you know, and know I'll ask you this. I ask this to, to about every one of my guests here. What is the wealthiest place on earth? The wealthiest place on earth. We'll play the Jeopardy. Da, 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 da. And listeners uh, at home, you should know this by now. <laughs> if you don't, now, I, every, I know every week we're getting um, more and more new listeners and followers. And that reminds me, while Noah's trying to figure out the answer here, make sure you subscribe and pass this on to others. Because our goal, our mission together, our tribe, is to make our world a happier, healthier, and safer place to live by living your best kick in life. And, of course, you can find us at lineupmedia.fm, Google Play, Podbean, uh, where else can we see it? Stitcher and of course iTunes. Yeah, there's where you can get it, or wherever you get your podcast from. All
0: right. Well, I I mean the easy answer would be the the richest person on earth, but you're saying place, and I would say, you know, mentally strong. Like if, if you're wealthy in your own mindset, then you can be whoever you want to become.
1: Wow, No, it took it to a different level there. Normally I get people blasting out different countries and stuff. Yes, the most successful people are the ones that are successful in their mind because they're happy with their life, but the most successful place on earth? What? You ready? Yes. It's a cemetery. <laughs> right. What? This, yes. Why? <laughs> because the successful people, too many successful people went there with their song and son, with their talents not exposed to the world. You know, the, la- the next great, PGA Pro, didn't have the ambition, desire, drive to do what you've done, so they took that gift to the grave. The next great singer was told once at 10 years old she wasn't a very good singer, so her whole life she thought she wasn't a good singer when she was. She takes that to the grave. Next great artist, author, athlete, entrepreneur, somebody, somebody in life told them they weren't good enough and they didn't have enough self-confidence, enough belief in themselves to pursue that goal when they'd been knocked down, so they took it to the grave. So the grave is the wealthiest place on earth. I know know. a little twist there. So that's inspiration that once again, 400 billion people, you've got a gift. You've got a talent that nobody else has. Nobody else has Use that talent. Believe in that talent. Don't settle for easy because easy will never make you successful, wealthy, and uh, achieve your purpose. Push beyond that. So moving on. So now um, you're a PGA pro in Miami. But now you're moving back to Augusta, Georgia, which, of course, once again, is the home of the Masters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, you said you played on the uh, the Pepsi Tour as well. And didn't you do a Pro-Am at Pebble Beach when you were – how old were you when you did that?
0: I did that. I played in it when I was 23. It's uh, Pebble the,
1: Beach, listeners. Yeah, there you go. The, Let's talk a little bit about Pebble Beach before you answer yes. that question. How How hard is it to get in a, a tea time, an appointment there, and talk about the process? Now of course yours was taken care of because yes, you were a pro calmed. and a pro and. <laughs> yes. But, uh,
0: so um, it, it's just very expensive. So Pebble uh, Pebble Beach is a public golf club, so you just have to pay a good price to play there. It's anywhere from five hundred dollars to a thousand dollars the time of year for one round of eighteen holes at Pebble Beach.
1: And then you tell me you had to. Uh, there's a lodge there. You have to stay in their lodge, so you have yes. to book it for uh yep. one two days i guess and then you get a, maybe a round of 18 holes in
0: right so we had to stay at the spanish bay and we had it was three rounds and then if we made the cut we got to play one more round at pebble beach it was the mizuno pro-am the day after the pga tour played the at t pro-am out there so it was under tour conditions was the pro-am so it was really cool for it was three of my students that i taught Oh my uh, that we went out there, and we actually finished fifth out of 250 people. Woo. And so uh, it, it was good. It was it, Pebble Beach, if you ever get out there, is it's the most beautiful course I've ever seen in my life uh, in Monterey, where the first round, I shot two over par, and primarily, I was taking pictures the whole time rather than focusing <laughs> on golf, because I felt like I was on the edge of the world.
1: Nice. So moving from Miami now back to Augusta, Georgia, um, and you, you're also the inventor. And that's, the, you know, talking about not sitting, you know, back just because you've had a little bit of success. And you know what? I got this thing down. I played on the PGA Pro-Am Tour, played, played at Pebble Beach, been a pro since 17. You know what? I'm just going to coast a little bit here. But you didn't. You invented this um, this golf footprints, Matt. Tell us a little bit about that.
0: Yeah, so the golf footprints, Matt, came about, I was teaching a lot of junior camps with six to ten, seven and eight-year-olds, and having children, uh, you can understand, uh, they're not the best behaved, especially with golf clubs in their hands and golf balls (laughs) flying everywhere, so how how do I have them um, stand in one station and have structure to their practice? And so I went to a local craft store, I got a piece of carpet, I traced my feet, and I glued uh, felt to this carpet, and then I just called it Footprints. And from there, I, I just tried it with a couple different camps, and then all the kids are like, oh, I love standing on the footprints, and I noticed the kids didn't want to leave their feet, you know, they didn't want to leave the mat. And so it, it, it gave them structure. Sure. Uh, To their practice. And so I set it up to where the ball position just stays the same. And then their back foot, it just becomes wider with the longer clubs like wedge, iron and driver. And the ball position is just inside the left foot. And that's not true for all golfers, but especially for kids to give them the right ball position and have their feet stand the same way each time. um, It's huge for their success. And it's really grown my business as an instructor in teaching. uh, I I hold junior camps every single day, seven days
1: a week now. Wow. And it's laying that foundation because you have to have a strong foundation in order to build from. And obviously foot placement, your balance, your stance is your structure, is your base. Right. And without that, it doesn't matter what anything else does without that foundation. And it's something similar. And we've we swapped uh, ideas back and forth working with kids, and the biggest thing is you have to develop that structure, sort of those boundaries to keep Correct. them reeled in. And we've talked about putting them in uh, what we do all the time at the academy, little bitty hoops. Now, not the big hula hoops, but actually little small hoops and work on their body control. They'll throw their jab, cross, their round kicks, or front kicks, but they also got to try and stay within that hoop, and they'll do some jump turns and a few other things. Well, similar, I think – you would talked about before yes. doing starting off with a circle and then kind of yep. expanding it, you know, one foot in here, one foot in there. But you took it to a whole new level yep. with this golf footprints, which yep. you know, it's like you got an idea, you got a vision. Right. But what you did was you took action on it, yep. took action on it. And no, I it was, um, oh goodness, I don't know who I was talking to the other day about this, and their thing was they asked me this question: Have you ever had you know a dream about something and you set on it and then? seems like a week later, someone else came up with your idea, and you're like, oh, man. Well, that happens every single day. If you don't take that actionable step, and I'm sure you thought, well, man, if this is such a great idea, why in the world hasn't somebody else done it? So you almost hesitate right. to do it. Right. But you didn't. You took that actionable step. You, you didn't know how the heck it was going to work. Right. But you took action, which created more motivation. And once you got the ball rolling, you know, the law of inertia. Once an item's in motion, it tends to stay in motion.
0: Yeah. I mean, it it was a two-year process to finally get the patents and the right material for the kids with their little golf spikes so they wouldn't rip it up. Uh, The color's correct, so it's really flashy for the kids, and they like it. Um, But, yeah, there was some bumps in the road, but, yeah, I I could see
1: it. And I'm sure there were probably times when you questioned yourself, why in the heck am I doing this? Man, this has been going on for over a year now. I'm still not moving forward. But yep. That's the time when you got to keep it going. And you're knocked down. You chose to lay there or you, chose, or you choose to lay there you choose to get back up. And you got back up. You kept pushing. You battled through the bumps in the road, the adversity. And then, of course, and, and here's the thing. Anybody that's ever done anything outside their comfort zone, you know how lonely of a feeling that is. And then, of course, you got everybody trying to pull you back, telling you, ah, take it easy, just be safe, just be content. You know what? You know, that's too big a risk. But you didn't. You kept moving forward. You battled through the adversity and the challenges. But as I talked, we started the podcast off, and listeners, you hear me talk about this all the time. You have got to take that actionable step to create that motivation. And you do that, it's going to create more. And it's unfair, but life is unfair. But every day, you got to recreate that. So you got to take that actionable step. Yeah, yesterday's successes are great, but yesterday's successes, unless you take action today, aren't going to do anything for you tomorrow. So continue moving forward. So the the golf mats, which are now, yeah. they're available on Amazon. Yeah, You've we, got a couple partners. And uh-huh. Tell us how to, went, how to find those yeah, things. Yeah, we went
0: live on Amazon uh, in November. It's footprintsgolf.com is the website. And if you go to Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, it's just Footprints Golf.
1: And you and, do quite a bit with um, uh, all three of those channels, especially Instagram, right? Correct. So yes. every day you're posting pictures and videos.
0: Right. And you can see uh, how I develop it. And you can see all the kids I have in the camps using the Footprints Golf Mat. And it really, it it's huge for safety. If you're a parent, for your child, and you don't really know, you want to go to the driving range, and you have, a say, a five to 10-year-old, and they're just beginning, it gives them sa- safety to where you can just put the Footprints Golf Mat out and, say, in front of you, and you can hit golf balls. And then the kids, they really just want to stay on the mat and then when they're hitting a wedge, it says wedge on the mat, and then an iron, and then a driver, so they have that structure.
1: So you pretty much thought everything out for the parents. As we yeah, know, I just made it as easy as yeah, possible. Because as we know, kids tend to travel, so to speak. Exactly. So they'll start off standing here hitting a yep. golf ball. Before yep. you know it, yep. they're, they're you know in your back door, so to speak, <laughs> you know, and it, getting whacked with a backswing. That was the main thing of
0: how do I teach – Six, six-year-olds 6 at once it's i was i was making barriers and with noodles and hula hoops putting and, up
1: electric fences
0: yeah pretty much and then, and then the next thing you know they're they're still running around and um with with the footprints mat. it really has helped uh, i just tell the kids put your feet on the feet left foot red right foot green and they, and they like to stay on it and you know tee it up in front of the arrow uh,
1: and they it, got it and that's another beautiful thing yeah. about the mats even that minute detail has been thought out in extreme there you know and working with kids my whole life they love uh that was the thing we always do is we got spots on the mats find your spot and the kids are going to find their spot but they need that direction and that structure of where to stand where to be and right. I, we always talk about staying in your house and that's a way we're teaching body control but kids love the footprints you know uh, we used to have the little uh like puzzle mats where they'd follow the dinosaur footprints or they'd jump on a number or they'd jump on, you know, hand print here. But what you did, which is ingenious, the left foot goes on the red, the right foot goes on the green. So they can identify with that. It also programs their mind to put their feet there, to stand in those footprints, to have the right angle of the feet. And most important, like you just said, they stay in their house. They stay on. Hey, Johnny, are you on your feet? I always say, John, there we go. He looked up, got thumbs up from big John back there. Are, are you on your feet? And they move back on their feet. So it's safety, but it's also teaching them in a fun manner instead of kind of disciplining them. Gosh, Darnick, get back over here! I told you to stand here. It makes it fun for the kids, so you're setting them up for success. Correct. And what
0: what's really funny about it? I developed it for children, but I've sold quite a few <laughs> to adults. Um, <laughs> well, we're all kids. <laughs> yeah. For whenever I'm teaching, say, uh, you know, an older gentleman, uh, say, you know, fifty-six years old. He's like, can I buy one of those mats? Yeah, 100% you can. (laughs) and Because they just give you structure. Uh, I'm setting you up to succeed. Um, Once you have the correct setup, ball position, uh, everything gets a little bit easier in golf.
1: Sure. Well, any sport or anything in life, if you've had a success, that's going to motivate you to have more successes. That's why I talked about the first thing I do in the morning is get up and make the bed. And do I want to do it? No. (laughs) I'd just rather not. But I know, you know what? This is one success and that it's crazy as that is that builds on another success. So just having the confidence that your feet are in the right spot. And what would you say the uh, with with golf? Well, I'm going to say this to me personally, and I've played baseball, football and hockey, especially at a very high competitive level. You know, I've fought uh, all over the world, you know, in, in martial arts. I say that golf is the hardest, easiest game I've ever played. And the reason I say that. You know, in football, I got some three hundred pound ape trying to bury me. Hockey, I got somebody with a stick trying to put it in my teeth. Baseball, they're throwing a pitch that's dipping and diving. Obviously, in martial arts people are trying to kick me and punch me in the face. Golf, I've got a club in my hand, a ball that doesn't move, a target that doesn't move, and all I gotta do is freaking swing this club and hit the ball. No one's trying to hurt me.
0: Right, right. So
1: why why can't I consistently do it?
0: <laughs> I always say to my students, it's the elements always change, right? With the baseball diamond for the most part, you may have some wind, but the diamond's still the diamond. In a bowling alley it's still the lane, even the you know, the oil may change. But in golf it's it's you versus Mother Nature. <laughs> and so it in the ball, like you said, it it's laying dead on the ground. So, so you're just freaking in it right, exactly. <laughs> it's not someone's throwing a ninety mile an hour fastball at you. So it's it's all, you know, it's it's in your head. It's a, it's the most mental game. I'm like, I'm an athlete, just like yourself played all these sports. It's the most mental because I can stand over a shot, hit it all day on the driving range. And then all of a sudden I have this little target on the golf course and I'm sitting there thinking about it and all these thoughts are going in my head. And so that's why you have to be so specific in golf and set up the the correct way almost every single time. And, um, I always preach to pick a very small target every single time.
1: Well, it's all about habits, right? Yes. And it's it's way in life, successful habits. It's simple to do, but of course it's simple not to do. Right. And that's the whole thing. And the reason I keep bringing that up is I want our listeners to know, yeah, and I know there's, I mean, how many golfers in the world? I don't even know what to
0: say. I mean, there's, let's say, I don't know, let's say an easy number, like a billion, but Stats show that only 10% can break 90.
1: <laughs> so think about that. Well, think about that. You, you know, and the whole thing is about successful people. There's only about 10% of the population that achieves that level of success that they were born, that gift they were given. But right. it's all about that decision to keep trying, that decision to battle through adversity when it knocks you down. But it all comes back down to putting your left foot on red, putting your right foot on green, those simple daily disciplines consistently done routinely over and over and over again. So, no, you're a PGA pro. You coach uh, thousands upon thousands of kids, and kids are kind of the big target audience for you, wouldn't you say? I mean, you've got all ranges. I love but to, to
0: see them succeed, and I like to see the joy on their face and really build their confidence sure. in-, in golf and really build the-, the game of golf because golf is a long – you know, tiresome game that takes four or five hours on the weekend. And so we have to, as a PGA coach, you have to really um, get the youth involved as best as we can. And so that's kind of my bullseye market right now to really help the game of golf and and build it.
1: Well, and uh, something we talk about the Academy all the time, people ask why in the world do you work so hard with kids? And I said, well, the the truth be told, I'm a little bit selfish. And that is because when I get older, these are the kids that are going to be taking care of me. Sure, same thing. So I want these kids to have the good, proper manners, discipline, and respect. And as you get older, Noah, one of these kids will probably be one of your coaches helping you adjust and helping you uh, refine your swing, so to speak. And that brings up my next topic about everyone needs a coach. So correct me if I'm wrong here, but I believe that every single professional golfer on the tour has at least one coach. Most of them have more, don't they?
0: Uh, they do. I would say the only person that has come out publicly, publicly is Bubba Watson. Says he's never had a coach. Uh, but obviously he was coached by his father at a young age. So I would even say Bubba has been coached. You know, he just doesn't pay anybody currently. Um, but all, all 99.9% of PGA Tour players have a swing coach, a trainer, a physical trainer, a dietitian, and most importantly, a mental coach. i see a lot of tour players do yoga pilates now just getting really their mind right um in pressure situations
1: well and um and a lot of listeners out there probably saying well gosh darn it i want to be a good golfer but i can't afford five different coaches and most people can't my point is if you want to be better at anything you want to be better at golf you've got to have somebody there to set the foundation for you if you want to be better at business You gotta outsource, you gotta reach out. If you wanna be better at your life, you gotta put in your mind, and you hear me talk about this all the time, listeners, what you put in is what you're gonna get out. So if you constantly put in CNN, constantly negative network, you're filling your mind with that garbage, then you're gonna have garbage out. That's all you're gonna think about. So sometimes it's hard to coach yourself. But by listening to this podcast, the Kickin' Life podcast, you know I'm going to give you a good kick in life, give you that right hook of reality, it's going to help you reach a level of success that you wouldn't be able to do on your own. So no, you're a PGA pro, you coach all these kids, do you have a coach yourself?
0: Uh, yes, currently. I work with uh, with the Jim McClain Golf School uh, out of Miami Beach, and um, I have... I would say multiple coaches because I'm always asking. I'm always wanting to learn to better myself. And we're always picking each other's brains nice. and pushing each other. Okay, you know, I, I do this a little bit differently. Um, and it's really I still put in the work.
1: Nice. Well, in, in martial arts, we call that the white belt mindset. And the white belt mindset is I'm constantly seeking more knowledge. I'm constantly wanting right. more knowledge. I'm constantly thriving to learn. The black belt mindset. Now, some say, well, a black belt mindset means excellence. It means perfection. Now, I agree with having black belt principles, which are um, (laughs) Uh, humility, courtesy, honor, integrity, discipline, respect, and perseverance are our principles. But sometimes the black belt mindset is all about, I got this thing. I know this thing. I know everything. Well, once you've reached that level you're actually going to start declining because no one knows everything and you've shut off your learning process. So to continue learning. Now, the reason I brought up, if you have a golf coach, I know you actually – I knew you did, but uh, I wanted you to, you know, share – I forgot the gentleman's name, one of your mini yeah, golf coaches. I've, I have several. <laughs> um, but you, you told me about a drill that he asked you to do. Right. And Noah mentions um, this drill that he's supposed to stand, put his head next to the wall and keep his hands inside so he's not hitting the wall with the swing. And he probably told you to, you know, what do it five or six, ten times a day.
0: Yeah, that would that that would be way too easy. Um, he <laughs> Tell told, me what you he, told me. Yeah, he told me that I needed. He spent about uh, ten minutes with me. Well, you know, watch me hit balls, and then said, "Okay, put the club down. No golf club. You can do this at home. Put your head against the wall. You know, like you said, swing with your hands. Don't hit the wall. Um, and do that five hundred times." in the next week but you really if you really want to get it do it 500 times in the next two days and then come see me in two weeks and i'm like okay and uh he goes guess what in two weeks i'm going to tell you to do the same thing and then after that uh, i'm going to tell you to do probably the same thing because um, it takes about 10,000 times for you to actually make that change right and of course, i did not want to hear that
1: no <laughs> and, and who would but once again it's those small daily disciplines now when he told you that what was really truthfully the first thought like I really freaking have to do that. Come on.
0: Exactly. It's being what I like about Jim McLean, he, he's brutally honest. It, <laughs> right it hook, you don't right, want right to hear of reality. It. Yeah, <laughs> he he doesn't sugarcoat it and so it's, it's really cool that he's saying, "Okay, if you really want to be a PGA Tour player, you have to do this this many times." Yep. Um and that's it.
1: So, so it- you know, and it, it, it's everything we talk about on the podcast all the time. It's what we started off the podcast on, those small little daily disciplines that are so simple to do, but they're also so simple not to do. And if you don't do them, is, is, is it, is it going to change your life? The, the example that's given in The Slide Edge, the book by Jeff Olson, is, you know what, if you eat this uh, hamburger today, is, is that going to ruin your life? Is that going to give you an instant heart attack? No. But if you eat a hamburger t- 200 days in a row... Hmm. Then suddenly, yes, you didn't suddenly have a heart attack. Your arteries didn't suddenly clog up. It happened over progression over time. So today, if you decide you get up and you do 10 push push-ups, tomorrow, when you look in the mirror, are you going to see this miraculous change? Whoa, yes. My chest is pumped. I'm feeling great. No. Tomorrow? No. A week from now? No. You know what? I've done this for a week. I'm giving up on this crap. I'm not getting any better. No, it takes time. But you got to consistently do it. And that's what, you know, that's the difference between successful people and unsuccessful people. Those simple daily disciplines done consistently day in and day out. No, you don't want to do your 500 swings with your head against the wall. No. I mean, come on. But you want to get better. Correct. You've got a vision, you've got a mission, you've yes. got a purpose, you got a why. And how are you going to get that? You got to do these daily you gotta disciplines. You got to
0: do the work. <laughs> you got to put in the work.
1: So, Noah, tell, uh, tell our viewers where they can find you at. And then once again, remind us where we can get those golf mats at um to um, um
0: yeah you can find the uh the footprints golf mat it's uh just www.footprintsgolf.com um they're and on you can Amazon them. aren't they Yeah they're on Amazon is probably the easiest but that's our website you can see uh, different instructional videos though on our website okay at Golf. And, and how can
1: people follow you on Instagram Twitter Facebook
0: Yeah yeah every I do everything through the uh footprint really Okay. It, yeah, I do all my personal instruction is pretty much through the the Footprints
1: Golf. Okay, so they they just need to put in their hashtag Footprints Golf.
0: Uh, you can hashtag my name Noah Vineyard and spell um, that for our friends there. N O A H V I N Y A R D. So Vineyard has no E in it. Um, you no can has-
1: vineyard. It's Vineyard. No, no it's no vineyard.
0: <laughs> uh, you can also hashtag
1: Noah Golf. Oh, there so, we go. Yep that a new one you had? You've had that for a while, I've you? had or, that for
0: a while, yeah. so Kind of went,
1: came and went, though, so. Correct. All yep. right. Well, anyway, there's all kinds of ways to find Noah and his uh, footprints golf, which if you're a golfer and you want to improve your game, I'm telling you what, that's that's the way to start there. You've got to start with that foundation. And, of course, you out there, you want to improve your life, just like you want to improve your golf swing. It's those daily disciplines every single day. Well, wow. Man, Noah, we've been going at this for Almost an hour now. Do you have any uh, last remarks you'd like to share with our listeners there?
0: Well, I was going to mention this. uh, From what I've learned in Miami and uh, from trying to better myself, I didn't have to go to the Jim McLean Golf School because I felt like I was a good enough instructor, but I knew that he was the number one golf school in the world, or at least in the United States. He has golf schools worldwide. And here's something that he's doing that I'm not necessarily doing. And so they base their whole principle on the 25% theory, one being to be the best golfer you can. So it would be long game, short game, mental game, and course management. And most golfers think of, okay, I'm going to go play golf. It's going to be, I'm going to work on my long game, maybe a little bit of short game, but they never work on course management or, or their mental game. And so they're going to shoot 100 or, or more, You know, maybe lucky if they hit the ball fairly straight, they'll shoot in the 90s. Most amateurs that shoot 90s, they got the short game and the long game. And that's it. To be the top you know, PGA Tour players, they're going to have three out of four every single time. Wow. And so it's putting – I really like that and just kind of thinking of golf is you have to have those four things to play your best.
1: Okay. So, well, and as you mentioned, the mental game, that is so important.
0: It, it is the most important by far.
1: Because as you know, I alluded to, yep. at least in my world, it's the easiest, toughest game I've ever played, Right, and it's, it's the mental. How can I not hit this ball? How can I, as you said, at the driving range, man, that looks so great, and it's the same thing, but I'm standing out on the course, same shot as I had on the driving range that I hit 100-and-something balls with, and for whatever reason, I outthink myself, and yep. uh, it's just a matter of battling through. And the yeah. mental game, it,
0: when I say mental game in golf, it's manage your, yourself on and off the golf course. So it's not just mentally having a pre-shot routine. It's you're arriving to your tea time an hour early, not five minutes early. It's having, you know, eating a good breakfast, not, you know, scarfing down. Throwing a Twinkie down. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> and <laughs> eating a hot dog and drinking a Coke at the turn. Um, it's oh, just,
1: now now, now you, you just lost half our yeah, listeners Yeah, sorry here. about that. Gosh darn it. But,
0: yeah, it's managing yourself on and off the golf course is, is really the the mental game that I'm talking
1: about. We probably could have edited that last section out. Now our golfer's like, wait a minute. I can't have a Twinkie and a, <laughs> and a, um, a coffee on the way to the course, rushed, run up there, put my shoes on while I'm doing my first swing. Heck no. with warm ups. No. And then at the turn, have a couple dogs, brats, chips.
0: Arrive at least an hour early if you want to <laughs> shoot decent scores. To get that mindset. Yeah. 100% and get loose and stretched out.
1: Good. Oh, awesome stuff. Well, no, man, it's been fun having you on, yeah, buddy. Thank you for having me absolutely do you enjoy yourself
0: i did this is great
1: join your visit in the midwest here
0: yeah i uh fly back to miami on sunday
1: flying to miami and then when you move into augusta
0: uh we move august 1st
1: Woo! Well, that's just right around the corner yep. i think this afternoon we're going to go tour bush stadium and yep. uh uh excited watch a little... about that yeah yeah have... cardinals fan huge cardinal fan now this is kind of a little off well say off the record but i guess we can talk about whatever we want here but uh, brother-in-law Noah was able to set me up, Now, our Cardinal fans out there, listen up on this one here, for Game 6 of the World Series in uh, 2011? Yes, Correct. 2011 yeah. against the Texas Rangers. Now, think back Game 6. Think back Game 6 against the Texas Rangers. Yeah, that up-and-down roller coaster ride. The oh, Cardinals yeah. were down to the last strike three, four different times, and they kept rallying, kept battling through. We were at that game. Compliments yep. of brother-in-law, golf pro Noah. You're welcome. Thank you very, very much. It's uh, <laughs> one of the most memorable games I've ever been to. Probably the most memorable game I've ever been to in my life. And uh, he was able to score some extremely good tickets. Well, it it, it well it cost you a set of golf clubs and a year's worth of lessons or something.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was, it was just a few lessons. And in the golf business, you make some good connections. (laughs) (laughs) Well
1: said. And all it cost me was dinner, so I was happy as heck with that. Fifteen rows up uh, in the right field line. Yep. So when uh, David Fries hit the ball that Cruz was cruising back on, we were just talking about this yesterday, and it hits off the Clark sign or whatever sign was out there. We thought the game was over, the atmosphere, uh, and then we see the ball rolling around. Whoa! What a game. I mean, how about that? It gives me goosebumps just thinking about it, too. So (laughs) maybe we need to be on two birds and a bat while you're in town here. Have a little thing with uh, Benji Molina. Well, anyway, listeners out there, hopefully that gave you a big shot of adrenaline, some goosebumps reflected on the past, and maybe the Cardinals can get this uh, ship righted and. We can have another World Series, but uh, we got a little work to do. Yeah, we do. That's a little. That's enough uh, That's for another podcast. All right, listeners out there, thank you so very much for taking the time to be with us. As always, I am so very, very grateful that you chose to spend the time with us. You know, every single week I'm going to give it all I've got to give you the best content, have the best guest on so you can live your best kick in life. The thing you can do for yourself is to listen to this more than once and be sure to share this with others so they can pick up on the positive vibe, the positive energy, and that kick in life that they're – so desperately wanting even people say i'm um, okay no everybody wants to live their best life because we only got one of these things so subscribe to it share with your friends once again you can find us at lineupmedia.fm podbean stitcher google play uh, itunes or wherever you get your podcast from and until we talk again you get out there and do your best and i promise you'll be your very best have a blessed day everybody talk to you real soon bye-bye